And we're going to read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It says this, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I want to talk to you very briefly for the next few minutes this morning about how to grow up. How to grow up. Let's pray together. Jesus, I pray, God, that as we have gathered here to get to, together today with all different kinds of people, Lord, some that have, Lord, not even beginning on the journey with you, Lord, that are here to support someone being baptized. Others, Lord, that are, Lord, just at the beginning of their faith journey where they're just asking some questions and considering following you. Others, Lord, that just have begun following you. And, Lord, some that have been with you for a long time. And what I pray is over the next several minutes as I speak that the Holy Spirit would come into the room. And the Holy Spirit would break this down, Lord, so it's not my word, it's your word that stands out. And, Lord, when we walk away, we will say, what an awesome time together because we have been with Jesus. And because of that, our lives will never be the same. Amen? Well, speaking of children, I actually have three children. I have a daughter that is 13 years old. I have a son uh, that is about to be 10 years old. And then I have a little boy uh, that is 16 months old. And talking about infancy, all of them have kind of faced infancy in a different way, if you will. And, and so, actually, my, my little child is still in infancy, but uh, my, my daughter, she's 13 years old, she kind of went through infancy as a strong-willed child. Any of you have a strong-willed child? You know what that's like. So, she was, uh, she's our strongest-willed of the three. In fact, some of you maybe heard, heard me tell a story about her will, where it was one time when she was about three years old, and, uh, and in our house, the rule is that if you don't eat your vegetables while we're eating dinner, you don't get dessert after dinner is over. And so we were having Christmas dinner when she was three years old, and, uh, and we, had, we were having carrots for dinner, and she decided, I, I don't want to eat the carrots. I reminded her of our house rule. I said, sweetie, you know if you don't eat your carrots that you're not going to be able to eat dessert afterwards. And she said, I don't care. I don't don't want the carrots and so okay just as long as we're clear and you know you understand the rules and then uh, after we finished dinner she came back to me uh, about 20 minutes after dinner and she had uh, what I call kind of kitty crack cocaine if you will that is the word candy everybody say candy yeah so kids love candy and she literally walks up to me and she 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 gives me that three-year-old daddy look you know in her eyes fluttering the eyelids going daddy I want candy, you know? And uh, I said, sweetie, you can't have any candy because you didn't finish your carrot. So no carrots equals no candy. And, uh, and you've never seen a, a child's heart change that fast. I mean, all of a sudden, she wanted those carrots. So I put her back in her, her high chair, and man, orange is flying through the air as fast as she can get it. And literally, she's shoving carrots into her mouth. I was so proud of her, you know? And, and so we gave her the, the candy after she was done. And about 30 minutes after she'd eaten the candy, Andy, my mom was changing her diaper, and she noticed that as she was changing her diaper that she was asking her questions, but Libby wasn't answering the questions. She was just pointing at things, and then my mom noticed that there were these big bulges all the way around her gums, and she said, Libby, I want you to open your mouth, and she opened up her mouth, and Libby had successfully shoved the carrots all over her mouth. Now, the miracle of that whole thing is she didn't eat the carrots, but she was still able to swallow the candy. I don't even know how that works like that. 
But so she, she comes back to me, and my mom brings her back to me, and I was doing dishes like a good man should. And, and, uh, and so my mom said, honey, I want you, you know, son, I want you to know that your daughter did not eat her carrots. And, and so I turned around just in time to see my daughter spitting the carrots out into her blankie and then folding up the blankie so she could cover up all of the evidence of the carrots. Why? Because she went through her infancy as a strong-willed child. My son is the complete opposite. My son, literally all you have to do is just look at him wrong, and he's going to break down crying. And, uh, and his whole theme in his infancy and still to this day was kind of like, uh, you know, I didn't mean to do wrong. How many of you have seen those kind of, like, uh, he'll even say, Dad, I know I did wrong, but I didn't want to do wrong. I didn't mean to, I didn't want to. It reminds me of a passage of scripture that says, I do what I don't want to do and the things I want to do, I don't do. That is literally my son's life right there. I mean, every time, son, did you do this? Yes, dad, I did, but I didn't want to. I didn't, I didn't mean to. So complete opposite of my daughter. And then my third, really, I, we don't know how he is. All I know is that he doesn't even know what he's doing. All, all I know is that when you tell him no, like most babies, he just starts to bawl. I mean, if you knew, and so all three of those kids, I think, are kind of representative of most of us here in this room. Maybe you're in this room and you go, I kind of know what I should do to grow up in my relationship with God and to become kind of a spiritual adult. But maybe you're like my daughter and you're like, I don't want to. I'm not going to eat my carrots, God. I don't care what you say, I don't care what your word says, I ain't eating the carrots. Maybe some of you here in the room are, are more like my son where you're going, I keep messing up and I keep not doing the right things and, and I do some wrong things and I don't mean to. It's just, you know, before I even realize I'm in these situations, all of a sudden I'm in these situations and then some of you are like, I don't even know what's right, what's wrong. I don't know how to grow up. I just, I'm just going to cry. You know, like, like some of you here in the room maybe are going, I just don't know how to grow up in my relationship with God. I don't know where you're at on the journey. I don't know what kind of infancy you're approaching as far as your relationship with God. But I do know this. I do know that God has given us two tools to help us grow. And, and how many of you think it would be wrong if I just looked at my kids, all three of them, and I said, listen, mom and dad aren't going to help you. I'm just telling you right now, y'all got to grow up, suckers. Like, y'all got to get mature, and I need you to become mature adults. And so mom and dad are going to go on a lifelong date. We're going to see you in about, you know, 16 years, and you better grow up during that time. No, that's not the way this goes. And the good news is that God hasn't left us up to become spiritual adults on our own either. He hasn't told us just to grow up and do better and try harder and make better decisions without actually partnering with us. So the good news is that as you grow in your maturity and your relationship with God, you're partnering with God to make that happen. And he's given us two incredible tools to make that happen. And the first one that I want to talk about today is called the Bible. Everybody say the Bible. The Bible. So let me just give you some background of the text that we uh, just read. Paul, who some of you may know him as St. Paul or the Apostle Paul, other than Jesus himself, the most important Christian leader of, of all time. And Paul, uh, one day, is sitting in a jail cell. It's A.D. 67, and he's in a jail because the emperor at the time named Nero really didn't like what he was preaching about his faith and, and this new Jesus, uh, you know, Lord, King, you know, that he was preaching about. So he throws Paul 
in jail. And Paul decides to write one of his spiritual sons, and his name is Timothy. And so the letters that we read to Timothy, they're actually from a spiritual father to a spiritual son, and they're kind of life lessons, if you will. He's wanting to help him. He's wanting to give him some, some life left lessons. And so he, he starts by saying the first thing that we read was all scripture is, let's say those words together, God breathe. Now just stop there for a second and think about that. What does that mean? All scripture is God breathe. What does that exactly mean? Because did God really write the scripture? Didn't the writers, you know, didn't over 40 authors write the 66 books that are that comprise and make up the Bible? Didn't didn't human people write those? And what he's trying to say, what Paul is trying to say is that scripture is a unique uh, representation of the character of God. And it is God's voice and it is his words. So in other words, when we read when we when we read the Bible, it is actually God's speech. It is exactly what God wants to say. How many of you, let me just ask you, how many of you want to hear from God? Raise your hands and you say, I'd like to hear from God. Like, how many of you like go, like, I got some stuff that I'd like for God to talk to me about right now. Like, I'm going through a few things. I got some questions. I'm trying to make a decision. I'm trying to figure out, you know, who to marry and do I marry him? Do I marry her? Do I dump him? Do I dump her? You know, do, do I buy the house? Do I not buy the house? You're trying to, you know, do I take this job? Do I wait, wait for another job? You're trying to figure out what does God want to say? Well, the Bible actually is, Paul describes it as God's speech. And people say, well, well, weren't the writers that wrote the Bible, weren't they imperfect people like you and I? Weren't they, weren't they just humans? And, and how could they write the exact representation of God? Well, what Paul is trying to help us do here is he's saying, hey, don't focus on the writers, focus on the writings. Hello? Don't focus on the writers and their imperfectness and their sin and their flaws and everything. Focus on the writing. Because what God actually said was, I'm going to use imperfect human beings and I'm going I'm to work through them. I'm going to speak through them. And as I speak through them, they're going to literally unfold the will of God for humanity. That's the Bible. And so those of you that have said yes to Jesus, you are a Christian. You're a Christ follower in the room. If you've said yes to Jesus, look this way, friends. The Bible is actually your guide and your authority for life. How many of you want to know how to have better relationships? Raise your hands. How many of you want better relationships? The Bible is your answer. How many of you want to make better decisions? Okay, good. The Bible is your authority on that. Whatever you are going through, whatever you are facing, whatever you're in need of in your growth, in your relationship with God, the Bible is the authority. It is the final answer for your life. I want to make this clear because it's not like the Bible is one of the options that, that we as Christ followers listen to. Now, if you're not a Jesus follower in this room and you're like, whew, I'm off the bat. The Bible's not my authority. I just want to tell you that you still can engage with the Bible because it has some really incredible principles that if you put them into play will make your life better, I promise you. But if you're here in the room and you're going, I am a believer, the Bible is not an option. It is necessary. It's not optional. It is actually necessary. So I just want to give you an example. So let's say you've got a big decision coming up and you're, you're trying to figure out what to do. And so you're like, okay, here's my plan. I'm going to talk to uh, my roommate. I'm going to talk to my mom. I'm going to Google it, okay, because come on. 
Come on, how many of y'all have ever Googled stuff? Come on, raise your hands. Let's be honest. It's a transparent church, okay? Some of you have Googled how to make a decision with your life, okay? And I have too, okay? Where, where you've said, okay, do I do this? Do I not do this? Let's see what Google has to say, okay? And so you say, I'm gonna talk to my roommate. I'm gonna talk to my mom. I'm gonna Google it, and I'm going to see what the Bible says. And then I'm gonna take the best of whatever I happen to hear, and I'm gonna apply it, apply the best. No, friends, listen to me. You can do all of that. You can talk to your roommate. You can talk to your mom. You can talk to Google. Well, don't talk to Google. That'd be weird. But, but you can do all of that. But I want to tell you something. Listen to me. The Bible is the final authority for your life. It is actually the exclamation point. It is not one of the options. It is the option. It is completely necessary as you follow Jesus in the journey. So with that in mind, we're going to practice a question together. And the, this question is the question that I want you to walk out with. I want you to be thinking about this question. If you have children, I want you to teach your, your kids this question. I want this question to be asked in your homes. If, if you are uh, married, I want you to, to work on this question with your spouse. If you are getting ready to make a big decision, I want you to ask this question. If you're getting ready to try to figure out how to better a relationship, I want you to ask this question. Whatever you're facing, this is your question. This is your guiding question for the rest of your life. I can't stress the importance of this question that we are about to say together. And the question is, what does the Bible say? So whatever you are facing, whatever you're going through for the rest of your life, every day, every week, every month, whatever's happening in your life, the question is, let's say it together, what does the Bible say? So I've got this big thing coming up, and I don't know, you know, I've got this situation at work where this coworker and I are not getting along together, and, and the boss is not seeing that this coworker is actually not doing a good job, or I've got this decision uh, to make about, you know, what the next step of my life is, and what God's will is, and what does he want me to do for a career, and, and you know, what's the next move? I've got this question about how to handle my finances. Well, the first thing that we have to go to, and the final thing that we have to go to is this question, let's say it together what does so when your spouse comes to you and says honey I don't know what we should do with this big thing that's coming up the first question that you're going to ask is I don't know if y'all believe it let's let's try it again okay the first question you're going to ask is Good. Your kids, you know, man, they're hitting a time where they're trying to make a big decision in their life. And you're going to ask your kids before you even start in on all your opinions and all your advice and all the best practices and all the experience you have. The first thing you're going to ask is, what does the Bible say? I, I just want to make sure that we're clear on this, that you walk out of here understanding every area of your life can be covered with the question, Good, good, okay? Now, here's the good news. You, there are times you can combine the, the Bible and Google because, because there are many times I don't know what the Bible says, so I can say, what does the Bible say about, and then I'll just fill in, you know, and then Google gives me all the verses for it. So it's really powerful. Google and the Bible work well together, okay? So let's add one thing to that whole thing just to make it complete, okay? So now we're gonna move from a question to application, okay? So here we go. What does the Bible say? I'll do that, all right? Here we go. Let's say that together. What does the Bible say? Come on, together. What does? 
Good. Y'all sound like you might mean it, okay? So, so now we're moving from not just what does the Bible say for information, because I want you to get this. It's not just about information, okay? The Bible is not about information. It's about transformation. It's about transformation. So information is, I'm just going to see what it says and then weigh out whether or not I like what it says. Because I'm just going to tell you right now, the longer you walk with God and the more you grow in your relationship with God, you're going to come across some scriptures and some things that the Bible says where you go, I was asking what does the Bible say, now that I know what it says, I'm going to shut the Bible and not listen to it. Because there will come times in your life where you go, okay, I know what it says, but I'm not sure I like what it says. I'm not sure if I can do what it says. But you gotta understand that the Bible is not just about information. It has so much information. It is stockpiled of history and so much context that you have to take in mind as you're reading it. But it's not just about information. It is about transformation. So if you will read it and then apply it, your life will never be the same. Let's go back to that statement, okay? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Let's put it in a family context, okay? Your, your family's trying to make a decision. What, do, what does the Bible say? Let's do that. Your wife comes to you. What, what, do I, what should we do about that? What does the Bible say? Let's do that. It is not just about information. How many of you, some of you maybe don't remember this game, but you remember the game... Simon Says. How many of you grew up with Simon Says? Okay, you remember Simon Says. So Simon Says, and, and just so our, our students in the room are like, what's that? Is there an app for that? No, there's no app for that, okay? Uh, so Simon Says is simply a, a game where you do whatever Simon Says. So there would be a, a, somebody that would lead it and go, Simon Says, tap your head, okay? Simon Says, shake your leg, okay? Simon Says, jump up and down. So you go through Simon Says. And here's what I have to emphasize to you. Simon Says is no different than Jesus says. It is not, Jesus said it, so I'll study it. Jesus said it, so I'll think about it. I'm gonna tell you, in the growth of my kids, if I'm trying to help them become mature adults and do things like clean their rooms, how many of you know there is nothing more exciting and more godly than a clean room, okay? Come on, somebody. And I'm saying, hey, clean your room. What would it look like if my daughter came back and I said, okay, did, you know, I told, your, I told her to clean her room. And she, I said, you, did you clean your room? Uh, well, Dad, I didn't clean my room, but I did memorize that I should clean my room. Okay? But you didn't clean it? No, but I memorized the lines, you should clean your room. Oh, great. That, that's great. And later on, my friends are going to come over and we're going to study about how to clean a room. Okay? We're going to just study. We're going to talk. We're going to have a small group about how to clean your room up, you know? But wait, did you clean your room? No, I haven't cleaned my room because I'm going to study about it, and then I may pray about it, and then I'm, I'm going to get some advice from some other people about whether or not I should clean my room. No, what do I need her to do when I tell her to, to, to clean her room? What do I need her to do? Clean her room. No different than the Bible. The Bible is the final weight and the final authority for our lives. Paul goes on to say that there are four different ways that we can use the Bible. The first one he says it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Let me walk through these really quick. Quick Teaching is just simply, the Bible actually teaches us who God is. It teaches us who God is, 
and it teaches us who we are. And it also teaches us what pleases God. And then he goes on to rebuking. Rebuking is actually that the scriptures show us, the Bible actually shows us what sin is. And sin simply means to miss the mark. We learned about that last week. It just means that, hey, no matter how hard I try, my life doesn't add up to God. It doesn't hit with the perfection of who God is. And the rebuking part of it, it actually just shows us. It shows us our wrong motives, our wrong ideas, our wrong heart, our wrong choices, our wrong actions, our wrong speech. The Bible is literally, like James says, it's like a mirror. And you literally walk up to it and it shows you, oh, you're out of line here, you're out of line there, you need to fix that, you need to, to correct that. And then he goes on to say that the scriptures correct. And so the correcting is actually just fixing whatever the Lord showed us that we had to work on. It's actually showing us, correcting those mistakes and helping us learn how to correct those things in our life, correct the errors in our minds and in our hearts. And then he goes on lastly to say, it's, it's skilled for, and useful for training in righteousness, training in righteousness. The scriptures are there to educate us not only on what is wrong, but they're they're there to educate us on what is right. And and I don't know if you've ever been a part of a religious setting where people, all they did was shove down your throats everything that you couldn't do, right? Like all the wrong. How many of you have ever been around somebody like that, that like literally all they want to do, you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't do that, and Christians don't do that, stop that, don't do that, and you literally walked out like burdened, like you were carrying this heavy weight on you, like I don't feel like I can move right now because it's wrong if I move, you know? And so the scriptures not only show us what not to do, they also show us what to do. It shows us how to connect with God, how to train our minds in a different way. They show us what is the right way to live and how we should live. I love the way that the message version tells us what scriptures do. Listen to the way that the message version frames this. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says this. There's nothing like the written word of God for showing you the way to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Every part of scripture is God-breathed and is useful one way or another. Showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. How many of you want to start living God's way? I promise, listen closely, his way is better. And his way works in your life. Now, what I'm about to give you right now, because... All, all I've done thus far is try to prove to you and try to show you why you should read your Bibles and why that's a good thing and why that's necessary. But what I want to do for the next few minutes is I want to show you how. And what I'm about to give you, literally, I promise you, I know I say every week, write this down, it'll change your life. I promise you this time I'm telling the truth. If you will write this down and you will apply this, There is no bigger game changer in your relationship with God than what I'm about to give you because I'm about to tell you how to do this, how to align your life with what the Bible says. There's three words that I want you to write down in your phones as you're taking notes, wherever you want to write it down, and that is the three words that will revolutionize your life if you will make them happen, and they are a time, a place, a plan. A time a place, a plan. We're just going to leave this on the screen just while I'm talking here. A time, a place, yeah, keep that one there. A time, a place, a plan. Let's say that together. A time, 
a place, a plan. Now watch this. If you will do what I'm about to tell you to do, you, there is nothing that will propel you further and faster in your relationship with God and in your maturity as you become an adult in your spiritual uh, journey. I promise you, if you will do what I'm about to tell you, this will change your life. So a time, let's talk about a time for a second. It's just simply an actual time that you meet with God. I have a rule in life. Anything that's important is on my calendar. Any, any relationship that I value, I schedule time for it. Anything, any big decision that I have to make and, and I'm facing that, I'm scheduling a time to think about that. Anything that is valuable in our lives, we schedule a time for it. So what I'm asking you to do is actually begin the journey of scheduling a time, a time that, that is set aside that you meet with God. Now, now, for many of you, the best time is in the morning, okay? So you just take a few minutes in the morning, and th- we see this pattern that Jesus did when he was uh, here on the planet where he actually got up in the morning, and he would separate himself for a little while, and he would go to a place, and he would meet with God. So there's a specific time. It doesn't matter when it is. Some of you are like, how much, let me just take a quick survey. Morning people in the room, raise your hands if you're a morning person, okay? I'm not naturally a morning person, but I sometimes have to be, Okay. How many of you know when you got kids, you ain't got no choice? You're a morning person now when you have children, you know? And so, so how many of you are not morning people? Raise your hands if you're like, whoa, okay? There's a lot of not morning people here in our church. How many of you, you light up in the evening? Like, that's your favorite time, okay? Your energy's going, man. You love the evening. How many of you are like afternoon? You love afternoons. That's the most downtime of my day, okay? About 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm like, I don't know what's happening right now. I just need to go to bed, okay? So, Morning, noon, night, it doesn't matter when, I just want you to schedule a time. For some of you, it literally means what you need to do when you wake up is you need to, instead of rolling out and checking the ESPN app or the NFL app or the NBA app, the first thing that you need to look at is the Bible app on your phone. Instead of opening that app, I'm talking to myself, okay? Any sports guys or girls in the room? Okay, raise your, yeah, okay, a couple of us. I don't know what it is for the rest of y'all. What's that? Yeah, Facebook. Yeah, instead of checking Facebook or Instagram or, or Fox News or CNN or whatever it is, you know, whatever floats your boat, instead of checking that first thing in the morning. By the way, did you know there is nothing worse than starting your morning with bad news? Right? Why don't we start with good news? Let's read the Bible in, in our morning. So you maybe just take a couple minutes or 15 minutes or a half hour before you even get out of your bed and read your Bible. For, for, for some of you, it won't be during that time. It'll be like you'll, you'll go to work and maybe like sitting in your car right before you go into work. That will be kind of your time before I go into the job. For others of you, it may be a lunchtime that you go where you use your break to go read your Bible. For others of you, it may be at night. I don't know what it will look like for you, but I'm telling you, schedule a time and make it a regular thing. So five days a week, seven days a week, four days, whatever it looks like, I'm going to spend five minutes, 15 minutes, half hour. I'm going to start small and let it grow. Whatever it looks like, I want you to schedule a time. But then the second thing that you want to do is have a place. Everybody say a place. So what's your time and what's your place? Okay. Now my place has changed many, many times. The place is what I'm talking about is literally when I go to that place, That is significant. Something clicks in my brain that when I'm in that place, that's where God and I hang out. That's where I read my Bible. 
That's where I learn how to move forward in my walk with God, and I learn about my life. Now, it doesn't have to be this, like, you don't need to have to have some separate room where there's, like, gold glitter, you know, in, and, and you know, you've got, like, pictures of angels up, you know, and you walk into that, you know, guest bedroom, and it's like, oh, it doesn't have to be that. If you want to do that, that's, that's cool, okay, I guess. Uh, don't take pictures, but, uh, you know, if you want to do that, that's great, but I'm telling you, it, the significance isn't about where is it, it's just that you have a place, Okay. For some of you, it may be a chair. I remember when I was growing up, my dad's place was, he would sit in this chair. He would close his eyes and talk to God for hours. That was his place. When I was in high school, we had this huge guest room in the back of our house, and that was where I would go to meet with God. And then I went to college, and when I was in college, I lived in an apartment, and we had this storage area that was like a basement area of our apartment. And I would go down into the basement, and I would talk to God, and I would, I would converse with the Lord, and then I would read my Bible and see what the Bible had to say, me, say to me. Now my place is actually here in this sanctuary. When none of you are here, I actually opened my Bible, and I let God talk to me right here in this room. This is my, my place. What I'm telling you to do is to get a time and to get a place, but then lastly, you need to have a plan. Everybody say a plan. A time, a place, and a plan. A plan is simply, what are you going to do? What are you going to read when you open up that Bible for your life to be changed? Now, I recommend that your plan is not, this is what I hear from many, many people, well, here's my plan. I'm going to get a paper Bible, I'm going to open it up, and just let it flop open, and whatever it it happens to land on, that's going to be my Bible reading for the day, okay? I'm telling you, there are some really strange things in the Bible, and, and if you want if you want to keep reading your Bible and not get discouraged, that should not be a good plan for you, okay? Some of you don't even have a paper Bible. You don't even know. So just students, there are these things that they used to make called books. And, and in those, there's like these, yeah, okay. So uh, that's not a good plan. What is a good plan? Well, the, the, the best plan is the plan that works for you. Wherever you're at in your life, some of you are like chronological people. Anybody that likes to read a book from start to finish, raise your hands if you like start to finish, okay? There's a chronological plan that you can get to read your Bible. Some of you may have a a certain subject that you're trying to tackle on. Maybe you're trying to work in your marriage right now, and so there's actually a Bible plan for, for your marriage, okay? Some of you have situations on your job. There's a Bible plan where you can literally develop the systematic plan for your Bible reading, and there's an app that I want you to consider. I'm going to put it on the screen right now. I want all of you to write this down in your phones, or even better, download it. You can download it right now uh, while I'm talking. It is called YouVersion, YouVersion, and if you get YouVersion, I promise you, okay, how many of you are familiar with this, with YouVersion? Yeah, lots of you. Here's the cool thing about YouVersion. It literally has whatever plan that you want. There are hundreds of plans on version, And if you'll download that, and all of a sudden, listen, here's the system that I want you to develop. I've got a time to read my Bible. I've got a place to read my Bible. I've got a plan. I've got a time, a place, and a plan. Let's say it together. A time, a place, and a plan. Come on. A time, a place, and a plan. A time, a place, and a plan. So I'm going through something in my life, and I'm trying to figure out what to do. So the question I ask is, 
What does the Bible say about that, okay? And I come to the conclusion, I not only want to know what the Bible says, I'm going to do what the Bible says. So what does the Bible say about that? I'll do that. But I won't know that until I've got what? A a what? One more time. I promise you, watch. If you will do this, you will begin to see your life change. If you will daily, the Bible is so important. I want to see what the Bible says about my life. I want to grow in my walk with God. I want to grow in my relationship with God. So I believe, what does the Bible say about that? That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to develop a time, a place, and a plan. And as the band comes forward, let me show you what's going to happen. This is a strange illustration, uh, kind of a cheesy illustration, but I just want, wanted you to remember this, okay? So up here, I've got a, some chocolate milk. How many chocolate milk people in the room? You like chocolate milk? Okay. I'm not a big chocolate milk guy, but I hear it's pretty good for the people that like it. Okay. This, however, is one of my favorite drinks on the planet. Red Bull. How many of you Red Bull people in the room? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I used to call this Holy Spirit in a can. Okay. Okay. So, so chocolate milk, Red Bull. Watch this. So I've got just a, a clear vase up here. We are representative of the chocolate milk. That is our lives. Got a lot going on there. Probably some stuff that we shouldn't have going on. Some stuff that we're unsure about. Things that are cloudy, okay, in our lives. Not sure how to handle something. Involved in some things that maybe we shouldn't be. Some things then that are actually hindering us from walking closely with God. Things that are actually keeping us infants, babies in our relationship with God. And then we begin to read the Bible. And as we read the Bible, something great and incredible begins to happen. All of a sudden, okay, we read the Bible. Just in case you're wondering, I'm not going to drink this. I know some of you are freaking out. When we read the Bible, you're going to see something begin to happen here. What you're going to see begin to happen as I talk is you're going to begin to see some things change. You can already see it. Do you see how the fat is going to the bottom here? And what happens is the good begins to go to the top and we begin to separate ourselves from the things that we used to do and now God begins to fill our hearts as we read our Bibles and you see what's see the clear line now see what's happening here this is what happens as you read your Bible and here's what's interesting about this particular weird illustration what's interesting is the longer time goes on the more this will change And really, literally, watch this. That's literally what happens as you begin to read your Bible and apply it. You won't notice it at first. But as as you do it and you develop this habit and this discipline over time, what you'll see is your life begins to change. All of a sudden, you'll be able to look back and go, man, I'm not even the same person I was a year ago. 
And then five years goes by, and I, I promise you, the people that have a strong relationship with God that would be considered mature adults, they would be hashtag adulting in their relationship with God. I promise you, those people have put this into play, and what happens is, over time, you begin to change. And you begin to develop new habits. And you begin to drop old habits. And you begin to develop new mind shifts in your brain where you begin to think about things differently. You begin to treat people differently. You read scriptures in the Bible like love is kind, love is patient. And you stop and you go, wait, I need that. I need to be kind. I need to be patient. And all of a sudden you begin to apply that and and your life begins to change. And one day your spouse says, I really like the person you're becoming. One day your boss says, man, you're treating everybody so kind around here on your job. You you know what? I think you need a promotion. You begin to read scriptures where God talks about the tithe, about giving 10%, and you begin to apply that, and all of a sudden, the struggle that you're having in your finances, all of a sudden, God begins to bless your finances in a new way as you become generous, and your finances begin to change. What happens is, as we read the Bible, you can see it clearly now, as we read the Bible, the change over time begins to take place and it compounds it goes from days to weeks to months to years and this is a habit watch this if you did nothing else in your relationship with God if you would just do this your life will never be the same it'll never be the same what does the Bible say let's do that and all I've got to do for that is have a time a place and a plan. The last thing about the time and the place and the plan as we close. Your time, place, and plan change with your season of life. But in every season of life, you have a time, place, and a plan. So as you have kids, time and place are probably going to change. Okay? Your schedule changes, you get a different job, time, place, and plan probably going to change. But you've got to be aware every what i want us to do begin to do is in our small groups i want us to begin to discuss hey what right now right now in the season of life you're in what is your time place and plan to read your bible and to grow into a spiritual adult in your relationship with god